ION 2020, Episode 21. Have 2020 vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Eye on 2020 podcast, your place to find all of the news, information, and all of the goings-on regarding the 2020 election as we proceed closer towards uh, 2020 and the run against Trump to see who is going to be the Democratic candidate that gets the nomination, uh, who's going to be the Libertarian candidate that gets the nomination, and and I'm going to take a look at a lot of the other third-party candidates as well. I just want to give you guys the most information that I can every day from a libertarian perspective. My name is Ray Eaton. I am your host, and thank you for joining me. While you got a minute, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're on Apple iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other podcatchers that you might be listening through. Go ahead and subscribe. And if you'd like, go ahead and rate rate and review. Uh, Maybe send me some messages. Let me know how you feel about the podcast, which direction I can go, and uh, let me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. I'd love to hear about it. I do now have a, a Twitter handle. It's at I on the Empire. And go ahead and look for me on Twitter. Uh, follow me. Send me some messages that way as well. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, this has been exciting the last couple of weeks doing this, and I continue to, I plan to keep on going forward every single day, Monday through Friday, uh, 30 minutes or so is what I'm shooting for to let you know about what's going on with the 2020 election as we move forward because somebody's going to be battling Trump and I'd like to know who it's going to be. Uh, I'm I'm not typically too political when it comes to a lot of things, but I, I just I do like watching all the uh, the ins and outs of what's going on with the elections and stuff. That's always exciting. 2016 was absolutely crazy. Things just, uh, you know, with Donald Trump becoming the Republican candidate Republican nominee, uh, taking uh, taking on all of these establishment guys like Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush and all these uh, <clears throat> John Kasichs and those guys, all these establishment candidates. He takes them on, he um, chewed them up and spit them all out. You know that's just the way he is. That's the way he does things, right? And who is going to be the Democratic nominee? That's that, I guess that's going to be the big issue because a little bit of news came out this week or this weekend that. The Republican National Committee or the um, the GOP has made an announcement that they are standing behind Donald Trump and that they're not going to get behind somebody that's going to run against Donald Trump. I think that's pretty much normal when it comes to a president, a sitting president usually doesn't have someone that's going to run against them. There has been talk about it. Uh, if there is going to be somebody that's going to run against Donald Trump, I think it's going to end up having to be somebody that's going to run as an independent I think I've said that before in a previous podcast, and, you know, John Kasich, I guess, is the one that's been talking a little bit about running against Trump, but, the you know, the main thing that's going to be happening going into 2020 is you're going to be looking to see who is going to be the or the Democrat nominee, who, 
and that's what we're that's what pretty much all the focus is going to be on and we all know that because when it comes to third party candidates you know libertarians i think they got the libertarian candidate last time gary johnson and bill weld his vice presidential candidate or running mate they got like i think it was a one percent of the vote it was very few but i mean it it, it was it was a lot of people because it was the most that the a libertarian candidate has ever got to vote for them but it's literally one percent of the vote and like the hopes were that they'd get 10 percent of the vote or even more than that um but gary johnson went and blew it with you know the way that he talks he's just not a clear communicator i think even i can communicate more clearly than him sometimes i mean the guy's doing interviews with people and just doesn't really know a lot about the foreign policy of the United States, he doesn't know about a lot of the the current news and events. And when you're dealing with current news and events people, which are, you know, the the people that are running these shows that he's going on, these news shows, all they do is they are just all about the news and events of the day, right? They know everything that's going on. So when Gary Johnson has this Aleppo moment, as they call it, like this guy is just not a very clear, concise communicator, and. <clears throat> he was still able to get 1% of the vote because of just the dissatisfaction with the two candidates, right? You got the, the independents, the politically minded independent people that are going to vote were more willing to go vote for a Gary Johnson than a uh, Hillary Clinton or a Donald Trump. So third parties are becoming more prevalent because of that. So you're going to have your Green Party candidates. You're going to have you know, a few other constitution candidates and so forth that might get onto a a debate stage, not the debate stage, but a debate stage, and there might be people that actually watch them on that debate stage, but they're not going to get into the big, the big picture, which is the Democrats versus Republicans. And that's what, I mean, I'll focus on those guys some as well, but I'm really excited to talk about some of these Democratic candidates as we go forward as well. Some of them are putting together some pretty good issues in the sense of the um, the Tulsi Gabbard. She's all about, you know, the war and getting out of foreign interventions. I like what she's been saying. I started following her Twitter handle, and a lot of her message is anti-war, and that's good. She's learning how to differentiate herself because of that. And then you have the other candidates that are running, and a lot of them have very similar things that they're running on. You have those people that are running on... I mean, this is this seems like it's the what all of them are running on. So you got Medicare for All. Now, there's one guy, I can't remember which one it was, but he was saying that he is for fixing the ACA, which is Obamacare. That's what his plan is. But most of them are running on a Medicare for All platform. Most of them are running on a free college tuition platform. Most of them are running on a tax the wealthy platform and most of them are running on a you know give child care for free nationalizing child care i guess or early or early child early adolescent child care i guess is what they're trying to say so a lot of these guys are running on these things it just seems like there's not a lot of differentiation between all of these candidates i know this uh, julian castro guy he is running really specifically with a immigration platform i'm not sure what he means by immigration platform but maybe more liberal immigration policy platform um 
he's a he's a Hispanic American from Texas, so you would assume that that would be, you know, a a place where he could differentiate himself. With I guess they're all going to be looking for places where they could differentiate themselves from the other from the rest of the pack, right? Because there's going to be a huge pack of people that are going to be running for president this, you know, coming up on the Democratic ticket. They're all going to be running against each other. they got to figure out ways to differentiate themselves. And I like the way that Tulsi Gabbard has put together her differentiator, which is anti-foreign intervention, um, pulling the troops back home, and, you know, not entangling our alliances with other, with you know, with all these countries and so forth. Um, she can differentiate herself on that, but Donald Trump can easily bring himself as a differentiator on that as well. So... He can agree with her on those things in just a different way, and but he could, you know, come up with another policy in a different and address it in a different way than her, right? But she has a leg to stand on on that. But she is a congresswoman, and that makes it so that she's probably not going to be a serious contender as a presidential candidate. But she still has, I mean, she has a she has the way to make it so it's a front and center issue because she'll be on the debate stage. She seems like she has a large following right now. I mean, I did a podcast on her, and that's the podcast that has the, has the most listens of all of my podcasts, all 20 of them so far. Of all of them, she's had, that's the one that, that the most people have listened to. So if people are searching for her online, there's a reason why. So like Ron Paul, I don't know if any of you guys ever followed Ron Paul, but like Ron Paul, who was an anti-war candidate in 2008 and 2012, he got a huge following of people as a congressperson, right? So if she can go the anti-war route, I think that's a winning issue for her, even though she has some very socialist-leaning tendencies and so forth, right? She has the ability to bring a lot of these people that are against the wars, against foreign intervention onto her side. So, I mean, it could be a winning issue for her. You never know. And you get into the some of these other candidates and they really don't differentiate themselves very well. Uh, and they those candidates, they pretty much need to focus in on what they can do that's going to be different from the other ones. Like Medicare for All. Well, everyone talks about Medicare for All. So, and a lot of I don't know that Americans really support Medicare for all. I'd like to see the numbers, but I've heard that more Americans look to fix the ACA, which is Obamacare, than than the than the than would support a Medicare for all program. And that's an issue that you know Americans tend to be conservative in the sense when I say conservative, I mean less likely to support change less likely to support more government intervention in the, in the economy, they're more likely to support the status quo than anything else, and most people are like that. I mean, I'm a salesperson, and that's what I sell against, is the status quo. What they're currently doing, and how can I do a better job than than the than what they're currently doing, and a lot of times people are just resistant to change, and that's just the way Americans are. So, when they say that they're for fixing the ACA, then changing it or getting rid of it and scrapping it and do it just a Medicare for all single pair program, I think that Americans are likely to be more conservative in their views. And when you're asked that question, 
people are looking to just, you know, hey, let's keep it the way it is and let's just fix it, right? Um, but the, a lot of these candidates that are running on the Democratic ticket right now, that is what they need to do is they need to figure out ways to differentiate themselves. And that's kind of what I want. That's mostly what I want to talk about today is how can these how can these candidates differentiate themselves as Democrats? Because Democrats seems like they've been very united for the last, I mean, at least for the last two years since Donald Trump has been in office, right? Like they vote. I mean, it's very partisan. It's the Republicans vote one way and the Democrats vote one way. And it's just, that's just the way it is. But the Democrats have always seemed like they have, I mean, from the progressive era on in the early 1900s, it seems like there's just a desire for more government, right? And they seem like they are in line on what they're looking to do. Like when it came to social security way back in the thirties and then you move on to the, the, the war on poverty in the, in the sixties and so forth. Like it always seems like they have that progressive agenda that they're slowly creeping forward, right? That they're just, they, they're like a football team that's starting on the one yard line and trying to get, you know, their own one yard line. They're trying to get to the other side of the field and they, they're willing, they get two yards here then they get another five yards and they get pushed back a yard and they go and they get the whole 10 yards and then they can keep on going forward, forward, forward. They might get moved back a few, but they always seem like they're moving that ball forward, which is towards a more progressive government, a government that has more intervention in the economy, a government that has more safety nets for people so they become more dependent upon the government. Like they're, they're always trying to push that ball forward libertarians and i remember jason stapleton on his show used to talk about this a lot libertarians have dropped that ball the people that are very liberty focused have dropped that ball where they don't try to push that libertarian message forward they're they're not getting a good foothold where they're always just trying to move it back towards liberty that fight against the from the progressives versus libertarians libertarians just don't have the the strength of numbers they don't have the votes in congress they don't have the votes in general the organization even to make much of a difference in moving that ball forward and i think that's what he always jason Staten always talked about that is you know take the yards but don't give an inch right um always be pushing the always be on that bus moving towards liberty um which is a good message and Libertarians seem like they were getting more organized now and so forth, uh, which is good. There's more education out there, which is moving minds, and maybe it'll start moving the country more towards libertarian, like a liberty focus as well. But Democrats, they seem like they have a very concise message on what they're trying to sell to the public. And whether the public likes it or not, with 90% of these candidates running on specific issues like Medicare for all, it puts it front and center in everyone's mind, right? And the rationalization then starts in people's minds. Well, maybe it is good for us. Maybe we should support Medicare for all. I mean, it works for the the retirees already, right? They have it. It works fine. And then the Democrats paint this hugely rosy picture of what life would be like under Medicare for all. And people start rationalizing some more. 
And then eventually it becomes a common idea. Just like just like the Obamacare was hugely unpopular, and now people are saying, well, hey, maybe we should just fix it. But when it got started at first, people didn't like it. <clears throat> people did not support Obamacare. I mean, it was hugely unpopular when it was being crammed through Congress. And then here we are today, we have Obamacare, and people are for fixing Obamacare over Medicare for all. So the Democrats, they've always had these huge plans of what they want to do, and they've managed to slowly change people's minds on these issues and slowly change public perception of these issues. And the one and three of those main issues that they're focusing on now, it seems to me, are the Medicare for all single payer healthcare system, right? And then the next one is the free college tuition. And then the next one is the child care. And I, I don't even know where they're going to go from there. But I think it's just the idea of the government having more control of your life. And as a libertarian, I know that that's, you know, that's wrong. That's something that all it does is takes more taxes out, it takes more taxes out of your wallet. And whether you like taxes or not, it's, it's coercive force of them taking more money from you. Or it's taking out more loans from China and other countries to pay for those things. And that's wrong as well. Because that's not just spending my money today, but that's spending the children of tomorrow's money on what we want today. And that's wrong as well. So I just wanted to say that I just want to figure out how these guys are going to differentiate themselves. The only ones that I've really seen that are doing a very good job of differentiating themselves right now is Tulsi Gabbard with her anti-war policy um, and Julian Castro right now who's going to focus mostly on immigration. So the other ones, they're just selling the same old lines, which is a very progressive policy. And that's it. Okay, so talked about that now what i another thing that i wanted to mention today is that hillary clinton has not ruled out a 2020 run it's in the news a few of her advisors have said it they're saying that the more that demo or that the more that donald trump has these um these problems with the law the more that he it's determined or the more that the press is focusing in on donald trump being in trouble with the law, having issues with stealing the election, um, these Russiagate scandals and all that, the more that they talk about that, the more it makes Hillary want to run for office. So she's not ruled out a 2020 run because she thinks that the, that the election was stolen from her, right? She thinks that she can still go up against Trump and win. So I think that I, I don't. I think it's a mistake on her part. I don't think. I think she's a flawed candidate, and all those flaws will be brought brought right back out into light whenever she starts running. But there she is. She has decided that she's not ruling out a 2020 run. That's the news. And then we also have advisors from Bernie Sanders and his campaign that say that he is likely to run in 2020. Also, we all kind of knew it, but he is, I guess, the father of this progressive this democratic socialist idea they had a lot of success in 
2018 with the Democratic Socialist, the Democratic Socialist message, and uh, they're saying that he is likely to run for president also. So we have Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, two old faces that we've known for the last, you know, four years or so. They're all talking about running for president, and uh, and so we'll have hope or likely in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of days we will see a Hillary Clinton announce and we'll see a Bernie Sanders announce. Now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, thinking, thinking that Hillary Clinton might wait a couple months, and I'm thinking Bernie Sanders might wait, you know, maybe a month or so before he announces. And the reason why is because some of these early candidates. Like uh, Kirsten, what is it, Kirsten Gillibrand? Um, she is starting to see some challenges with her campaign as it is. She uh, supposedly had a affair with the mayor of San Francisco. That's coming out. Now, we know that most people don't care about affairs. We didn't worry about Bill Clinton having affairs. And we did sure as heck did not worry about Donald Trump having affairs because his base knew that he was flawed from a character standpoint, but love him from an economic standpoint, right? So we're they're not going to worry too much about um, Kirsten having any affairs, I don't think. But she's having some issues on that. And then there's also the idea that she was brought up um, by certain people into the political atmosphere as well, that, that her career was made by, you know, certain people. And that maybe she is just, you know, not as, I guess, as good of a candidate as some of these other candidates will be. I think that's what they're saying. And it's mostly to do with the fact that, you know, she's had affairs in the past and she's been not loyal to her husband and everything else. Now, I don't know if that's all true. I don't get into people's personal lives whatsoever. That's just kind of what the news has been reporting over the weekend. But if... If the Clinton machine, what I'm getting at is this, if the Clinton machine can tear apart some of these candidates and just start not picking them off from a distance before Clinton announces, if they can do that, if they can get all this dirt out on these people and just make those people go away on her own before she gets into the campaign, I think that that's going to be a strategy for Clinton. So of the five or six candidates, pick off the strong ones now, get them to go away, and then Hillary Clinton jumps in as the savior. And then and then she has she has a little bit easier time to get the nomination. And that's gonna be I think that's gonna be a key strategy for the Clintons going forward. So that I mean, to me, those are the things that that I'm seeing right now out there in in the twenty twenty election cycle. That's what I'm seeing, some of the news, some of the events, and uh, I just wanted to bring those to you today. So to go ahead and wrap up, I appreciate you for that you are listening to ION 2020. Uh, my name is Ray Eaton. I am your host, and I really do appreciate all of my listeners. I've, I've seen quite a few more people coming out and listening on, on a daily basis, which is, you know, I'm very happy about. I'm thankful for that. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and I certainly uh, hope that, you know, you're enjoying listening as well. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you can i'd appreciate that uh go ahead and leave me some comments some feedback whatever you want to do you know any podcatcher you listen to please go ahead and subscribe though and share it with your friends let them know about the podcast because i'm going to be covering all of the news 
and related events of the 2020 election going forward on a daily basis Monday through Friday. Please go ahead and, like I said, subscribe and please come back again tomorrow because this is the place to listen to keep your eyes clear and your vision 2020 on the 2020 election. You have a great day.